0: A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend, but what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello
1: there, everyone, and happy hump day. We're here today. I'm joined with Josh. Where's Scott? We don't Hello, know. Roy. Where's Scott? Do you know where he is?
0: I think he's playing like Toy Story 3 or something daft like that. Probably getting killed on Demon Souls actually, I'm almost certain that's what he's doing right now. One day he'll be that game. I'll tell you what, he's not playing though. He's not playing Fallout
1: (laughs) 76, which we're here today to talk to everyone about. So, Big Todd has recently had an interview with certain people around the web, and Josh, you've got some quotes today that we're going to sort of go off and go, hmm, did you really think that was a good idea in the first place, Mr. Fallout people? Who knows?
0: Yeah essentially, uh, Todd Howard, like you said, Bethesda's Todd Howard, if you don't know. Somehow, even though he's like one of the biggest uh, names in the gaming industry, Phil he has been um, talking... Ah, yeah, Phil Spencer's Todd Howard now, not Don Matrix. Um, he's had uh, a sit-down with The Guardian and gave an interview with The Guardian, essentially talking about you know his career, about Fallout 76 in particular, and about the, eldest, the future of The Elder Scrolls, the future of Starfield, the future of the company he's obviously associated with, and he's actually revealed quite a lot of interesting tidbits that I want to get into but first and foremost the big takeaway and the thing that we've titled this whole thing around is that he has admitted that Fallout 76 finally was a bit of a letdown in fact the direct quote was we let a lot of people down this actually comes after an interview that he did last year where he kind of openly addressed the issues with the game as well and he said that you know he realises why some people were disappointment he he realises that they did make some mistakes but it's, it's nice that we're this far out from Fallout 76's launch and the devs are kind of starting to be a little more frank about the realities of that game because they're obviously very confident in its future, like Todd even in this interview kind of reiterates that Bethesda is a company, they got to keep working on multiplayer games, they got to keep working on Fallout 76 in particular and try to get players back and give the players that are there, you know, something to enjoy, something meaty to chew on and kind of fix the mistakes. For me, it's potentially too little too late, but Throughout this entire conversation actually, every single quote that I would definitely will read out, I promise you, uh, he, he sounds promising. It makes me more excited about the future of Bethesda than I have been in a long time. But I know you've been playing Fallout 76 recently, Ben Roy. I think you've stopped since. But what, what was your opinion going into it in 2020 as a new player? Uh,
1: so my opinion was it was on Game Pass and I already paid for that service, so I might as well delete <laughs> a few games and give it a go. Uh, trying like the that. game, it started off to feel like a Fallout, but I get why people thought it was dead. I mean, I've never got to feel feel the game or see the game without NPC, so there was kind of that Fallout-ish going on. But after a couple of quests in, it started to just feel a bit. I mean, it it totally fits the scene right because like it's just set Mm -hmm. after. First, a lot of people coming out of the vault, but maybe it was just a bad sitting and a bad idea altogether. Like, we, we know that they didn't have no NPCs for that reason. They probably had no NPCs because they just didn't want to put them in there, or they just wanted yeah. machines and computer terminals to work off. But yeah, it would just, after a while, it fell apart for me, and there were some quests where you do them with a friend, but the, your friend doesn't get the credit for them or complete them, so you've got to do them twice, and if it was built around being a multiplayer game it should have really incorporated that and it is now um it never made okay. the jump to xbox series s for me it's on my xbox one original in the cupboard and really there, there it will remain on that hard drive in the cupboard as i bury this xbox somewhere <laughs> somewhere outside the city and then i will leave it for 100 years for someone to uh, dig up
0: I like that—an awful time capsule. You'll just leave Fallout 76 installed, know yes. the games, and someone's gonna get that, and that's gonna be the thing they remember us by a hundred years later. It's funny that you should mention the thing about playing the game with friends, but it almost not feeling like you were playing the same game because they didn't get the credit for the missions and stuff. Because Todd was talking about, you know, whether or not they were going to incorporate multiplayer into, you know, follow-up games and how they kind of and how people played Fallout 76 essentially. And he said, um, "Quote." We have found that even if it's multiplayer, whether it's Elder Scrolls Online or Fallout 76, a large number of our players want to play it like a single-player game and not have the other players distract from it. Games handle multiplayer in different ways, and I think it all has merits. So that kind of like backs up what you said there, where it's kind of like this half-step measure, where you can play it solo, because even if you have friends, they don't really impact it. And that's kind of like the confusing thing with Fallout 76. As a whole, at least for me, like it's almost it doesn't want to fully commit to being this big multiplayer thing. But it also kind of, you know, is too far removed from the single player experience that we love that it doesn't satisfy that itch either. At least that's the vibe I get from it, at least in its current form. I know it might be better now.
1: And if you die, there's no really sort of states because it doesn't reset the world. And you go back because obviously people are in that world. So what it does, it just plops you a little bit away from where you just had to fight. You lose some gear, but you can grab it if you go back and kill the rest. And like yeah. that, if that continues, normally someone who's level 4 million comes across and just splats everything out of the way anyway. But it just seems so weird and disjointed, some of the, the sort of questioning. they boil down to you find the last guy and he's around, he's stuck in a corner somewhere, and you've got to get this angle on them to shoot them and not fall down there yourself, mm-hmm. or you get stuck there forever, sort of thing. And it just became uh, sort of a. A legit boring fetch quest, and if it was based around killing a certain character, as I said, your friend couldn't or whoever you're playing couldn't get that. But if you like go the many go to a computer terminal and press the button, they kind of worked. But at the same time, Mm -hmm. there was there was one as well. I tell you this mission. I won't go into too much depth on the rest of them, but um spoilers for anyone wants to play it. But you get (laughs) drunk at one point. You you, will you drink this like weird super nuka cola, and. I didn't realize that it wasn't that what was happening for me wasn't happening. So my friend had done it, and it was triggering all these ghouls coming. I was like, "What's going on and then?" And he disappeared because in the game you pass out and then you wake up because you you walked away. You know, like on a raggy night out sort of thing. But that doesn't happen for yeah. you if you don't drink it as well. So I was just sitting there for a while, and there's like, "Oh, I should probably drink this at the moment, Tori, as well." Then I had to do the exact same thing again, even though I had to survive those same ghouls that he had. Because mm-hmm. it, so it was it was just. It's just, things like that, you know, that just it was even though it was designed to be played together and they wanted but it was well, sorry, it was designed to have microgens actions and it was designed to <laughs> make people pay for it. <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah, it just none of it for me fundamentally worked and I wouldn't want to see this in another Fallout game.
0: No, definitely. And you've touched upon something interesting about like the, the, the quests in general and going to, you know, a terminal and that being essentially it. I remember there was one quest that people were complaining about at launch when you essentially have to collect a bunch of, I think it's Nuka-Cola bottles or the beer bottles or whatever. Yeah. And um, Todd kind of like commented on this kind of um, a- approach to gameplay, I suppose, and he was talking about like moving away from this linear design. He said, um, quote, in our games, whenever we go really linear, when we say, he's the thing you must get, he's where you must go, it's not as successful. When we give the player a short-term, medium, and long-term goal and then make sure they have a lot of options and make sure that the game is reacting to them, that's when that's when the player feels like, look at what I did, rather than a creator giving something to you and you consuming it, you give something To the game. And I think that's really important because that's an issue that I had not with Fallout 76, because I didn't really play it, but in Fallout 4 and kind of the more recent Bethesda titles, is that I felt like a lot of the mission design, especially with the procedurally generated kind of like Minutemen missions in Fallout 4, for instance, they were so basic. And there wasn't much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was so basic and there wasn't much to them. Like the whole enjoyment or the whole experience was literally just doing the objective, doing the thing, killing X amount of people or, you know, freeing someone or something like that. And the reason that I love Bethesda games isn't for that kind of design. It's not about the experiences being made up of a bunch of different missions. It's about that sense of exploration. It's about the sense of, I have options. I can put some points into charisma. I can talk my way through this, or I can sneak through it, or I can do whatever. And I felt like, again, with Fallout 4, even though I do genuinely love Fallout 4, that was, for me, like the beginning of them moving away from that. Like charisma in that game, it's still kind of useful, but you don't really have the same option to complete missions that you did in previous titles. And that goes with pretty much all of the stats in that game. There's often one ideal outcome or one ideal scenario that the game kind of forces you into taking. So this is really promising to me. If they're going to try to get away from that, like that is, that makes me more excited about Starfield and um, The Elder Scrolls six
1: yeah because i think fallout 4 if you just max that intelligence and say did like 80 on lockpick you could pretty much do the game like without yeah. ever really having a bit of a fight but yeah like for me it was always the, the exploration for fallout which is why it, which drew me in like say especially fallout 3 man going into those and then new Vegas as well going into those vaults and finding mm-hmm. what had happened and how this vault had gone wrong and what the test was here and then finding these stories like this is something that fallout 76 could have done they could have Planted things around the environment to tell stories, like inanimate objects, like they did with so many other games. But it just didn't here yeah. at all. And like, sure, it was their biggest map ever, but that means there was even less in it, sort of thing. It just sort of like felt so sparse. And like, again, like, I will never, like, I don't think every open world needs a fox around every corner to guide you somewhere. Yeah. But like at the same time, like uh, especially a game when you're primarily on foot. Like it should have at least they should at least design a bit a bit more like sort of like so you're being guided and there's like bread uh, breadcrumbs to travel around to do sort of thing like that. Even like even when the sections of the world get nuked, like I experienced that mm-hmm. at one point, that that just basically spawns a giant boss and it wasn't really it wasn't really and half the enemies were invisible for my friend until he was walking around and then this giant like. <laughs> Brock Lesnar style thing was there and I heard him scream <laughs> and I was like, What's going on? I'm the corner. And then all you had to do then was hide behind a metal link fence, and because there's no no objects in that game really get destructed, you were kind of fine because it was just running at you the whole time and you would just shoot it.
0: Yeah, I think you've again you've um segued very nicely into the next and final court where Todd was this? talking about I don't know. It's almost like, have you read this before we did this, Roy? It's almost like uh, you know what's coming next. But Todd was on about um, essentially the scale of the games, and he was talking about when going forward, he wants to see less people chasing like these bigger than ever worlds, like scale over everything else, and more about like reactivity. In fact, he said, "quote I think chasing scale for scale's sake is not always the best goal." And again, I think that had crept in with Fallout seventy six and even Fallout four to an extent, like I said, where the worlds were getting Big because they were almost in a competition with people like, you know, CD Projekt Red and The Witcher, or even just Cause, which obviously prides itself on having the biggest ever open world. And I feel like this is a very valuable lesson to learn that bigger isn't always better. You could have like the biggest map in the world, and if you've got nothing interesting to do in it and nothing interesting to see, as is the case with Fallout 76 and the lack of that environmental storytelling, then it kind of becomes pointless. You could have used those resources better to create something more memorable within that space so if it turns out that you know starfield or the elder scrolls 6 isn't doesn't have a map as big as fallout 76 or isn't that much bigger but instead they've gone all in on trying to create these stories within that map and not just chasing scale but they're chasing reactivity like uh, Todd says to your actions and stuff like again I think everyone you know watching this you've got some of the information but you should go over to the Guardian and check out like this interview in general because as a kind of disenfranchised Bethesda fan this is almost won me round and Todd Big Todd has Burned me yes. before with it just works and the likes, but he's saying all the right things here for me at least to get me um, back in the game. Especially you know this is all on top of Microsoft's upcoming acquisition of ZeniMax as a whole, and with that and this, I think the future is promising, man. I hope the future is promising anyway.
1: Yeah, I mean if if Bethesda plant a new single player Fallout game or whenever we get Starfield or The Elder Scrolls, like I mean I. Th- it's, I can't help it It's going to be money on the table that like, they're going to have my money but like again if they try to do another one of these sort of like these these, let's just make it massive and fill it up with humans and I'm not going to be sort of down for it and, it, and like yeah. I think we've touched on this before like maybe the podcast but like you can't, how? what is even Starfield going to be like is it going to basically be like an outer world where you're on a ship or a space station yeah. and you go to planets like, and then are they going to this is why it's good because hopefully they don't go well let's make this a, let's make four fallout maps because each each planet is just another map like you would get in the original games like yeah. That that something that could get so dangerous and you could see like one of them being re- really rejected and have like nothing in sort of thing so yeah i just it sounds like we're all going in the right direction but whenever you see todd speak there's no emotion on his face <laughs> He's like he's being <laughs> plugged back into the matrix, and he's like, "Yeah, well, you, you're gonna listen to me because I'm not on social media, and I'm just gonna go away after this, and then look at my Indiana Jones memorabilia in my office, and you, you can't get me."
0: I think you're entirely spot on there, you know. And I, yeah. I, I love Todd, but I feel like the exact same way. It's almost like he gets plugged in for all these conferences or for these interviews, and they're like, "Oh yeah, oh yeah, this is, this is the classic. I miss this. I do, I do genuinely miss it in a way, to be honest."
1: Yeah, I think, I think uh we just gotta wait and see like we always gotta take everyone's words of a pinch of salt because like you know people whenever todd speaks this could affect their like affect stock prices for example so you know it's like this is the big thing and if they're saying all the right things it turns in the right direction because the money talks and all that but yeah it's hopeful rather than him going starfield's gonna be starfield 76
0: good luck (laughs) oh god do not ever call it that please Ben. right but i don't know what you guys think down in the comments below, do these quotes make you a bit more excited about either the future of Fallout 76 or the future of Bethesda in general and do you miss Todd being at conferences getting plugged back into the mainframe main and potentially talking a load of BS? Let us know and while you're down there could you give us a like, share, subscribe and head over to whatculture.com for more lists news like this every single day, even if you don't, I've been Josh. You can follow me on Twitter at Josh Bruin, joined by Ben Roy who you can follow on Twitter at.
1: At ben Returner, and I'll see you in 2076 when we play Starfield.
0: <laughs> Even that's too soon, mate. Even that is way too soon. It's going to be well beyond that. Right, bye. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter.